Welcome to the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi, your life made simple. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Being Podcast. On today's episode, I have somebody here with me who, you know, I feel like the universe has connected us. It's, it's a good friend of mine. Her name is Rosie Acosta. And if I can just tell you about this beautiful soul in a minute, I would be not doing her a service because there's just so much to go about it. But I just want to just kind of do a brief intro. Rosie grew up in a very interesting background, had a, I would say a very kind of a, a, not the most typical upbringing, kind of a rough upbringing, but what she is doing now with spreading the message of yoga, spreading the message of positivity. She's a yoga teacher. She's been on yoga journal. She travels around and gives yoga retreats. She helps people. She has her own podcast. She's just this light of positivity that me and her connected about a year and a half ago through a mutual friend. And it was an instant connection and something that, you know, I feel like she's a lifelong, not only friend, but a family member and just somebody that we can just grow together, both of us. And without further ado, Rosie, if I've missed anything, please feel free to fill oh, in the blanks. Man, no. But I, everyone, please welcome Rosie Acosta to the podcast. Thank you so much. It is such a pleasure and honor to be here with you. I've obviously interviewed you for my podcast. And yes, we've known each other for a while now. And I, I feel the exact same. And so it just, you know, you just meet those certain people in your life where you know that they're going to be in your life for a really long time. And I just felt that from the first conversation that we had. And so, and I'm just, I'm so grateful to be on here. I'm so happy that you're doing this podcast. I think we had talked about it like yes. way back when, and you're such an incredible interviewer and you're just so good at providing really good, valuable information. I listen to your podcast, so oh, I, I just love it. I think you do such an incredible job. Thank you. Well, it was inspired by you. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have, you know, what's interesting about the first time we talked, I still remember the first conversation. We were still in Florida. Me, that, this was when me and my wife, we were expecting Arav. And I think we were at one of the appointments. Like we wanted to go in and just make sure everything was a routine appointment. But I remember I was like, oh my God, Rosie's calling. So, I stepped out and we discussed and that was, it was totally okay. Cause Giddeth was waiting, you know, and it wasn't like, you know, we, we, but I remember cause I was walking outside of, of the office and just, I remember I was like, this is amazing. This individual is so cool. And just kind of recalled in my head of the first conversation we ever had. And, you know, it, it's just been wonderful since then. And just your background and what you've done with all the incredible yeah. people. And that's actually where I'd like to get started, Rosie, is cool. if you can kind of walk us through your journey, what got you to here and just share the bits of your, your background and just some of your experience with, with the audience. I think they'd be incredibly just, you know, grateful for that. Yeah, I'm happy to share. I feel like I, it's been such a long time since, you know, really thinking about how I got into this space and I feel like over the last year, I've been on a lot, I've been interviewed on a lot of other podcasts. And because I talk about it on my 
podcast, I always find it, you know, your own story, you always find it a bit mundane because it's yours and you live it and you don't think Correct. that there's anything particularly noteworthy, <laughs> I guess. And so, yeah, so I grew up in East Los Angeles during the LA riots. There was a lot of violence, gang violence, drug use, domestic abuse. Like we just lived in a not great area. I lived with like eight family members, my wow. parents, my older sister, aunt, uncle, aunts, cousins, uncles. Like just, there was just a lot of random people. Like our house was the, I wouldn't say house, it was just, it was a very tiny, small mm. two bedroom apartment. Wow. And all and those people, huh? Everybody lived in there. Wow. We were like the transient like house because my, my dad was always such an open, both my parents are immigrants. And so they, my dad was always the person who would give the food off of his plate. Like he always just wanted to help people and it, he could have had like $0 in the bank and he would try and feed everybody, you know, like he he was that guy. And so I just grew up being around a, a lot of loving people, but also in a very chaotic place, you know? And so when you're in that kind of environment, you don't really understand that there's anything wrong with anything. It's just, that's just the way it is. You have to be careful walking to school. You have to, you know, lie to the police officers when they come (laughs) by, like that kind of upbringing. And you know, it was, it was very interesting for me because I didn't know any different. I didn't know any better. Wow. And it wasn't until I started to get older, my parents separated and I started to act out as a teenager, as teenagers do, you know, you, you start to kind of come into your own, get more influenced by your environment. And even though internally I felt that my environment wasn't resonating resonating with how I felt inside in the sense of I didn't necessarily want to be a troublemaker. I didn't want to be addicted to drugs. I didn't want to be like everybody else, but it's hard to resolve that feeling when everything around you is so corroded, you know? So, so I just, I started to act out and I started to get really bad anxiety. You know, Mm. all of a sudden I started to get overwhelmed by this feeling of anxiousness. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to interrupt, but but you said something that's so incredible there that from what I'm hearing is that became your norm. Mm -hmm. Now think about how that affected your fight or flight response versus others. You were probably in a constant state of fight or flight, which, which probably just wreaked havoc on your adrenals and obviously led to the anxiety. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I was, I was living in fight or flight for the first probably 12, 13 years of my life. Gosh. Like, in constant. And I rem- I could even remember like this being like four or five years old and, and hearing like blood curdling screams from our neighbor, like getting beat, you know, oh, like it was, it was just, you know, stuff like that where you innately know that something is wrong and there's a lot of fear and you can't do anything about it. It's just, Correct. you know, so... So yeah, so it started to manifest itself in the way of just having really extreme panic and like full on panic attack. And then I started to just be completely afraid of leaving my house. I didn't want to leave my house or I'd go to school sometimes and I'd get a panic attack and I didn't want to leave. 
Like I just didn't want to like get out of the four walls that I was in. And that, you know, was the catalyst to my, my mom at the time. Cause I, my parents separated. I went, I was living with my dad first, then I moved in with my mom and she ended up taking me to a doctor and the doctor suggested that I go see a therapist. And then the therapist put me on anti-anxiety medication and then diagnosed me with depression. And wow. so I was on anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants. And that to me was even worse than how I was before I got on the medication. You know, I was kind of self-medicating on my own. I was smoking a lot of pot and just kind of doing (laughs) what felt best to me. And it wasn't until that moment where I realized I was getting to a point where I was like, what is the purpose of life? Like, I don't, I don't know that this is the way that life is supposed to be. And I kept questioning everything. And I just wanted to find something. I was like grasping because at that point, like my desire to live was really fleeting. Yeah. <laughs> because I just felt like this, it just didn't feel, nothing felt good. Like right. nothing felt good in my body. And so it was during this time that my mom also ended up coming home with some Self-realization fellowship pamphlets. They're from wow. yeah, the Paramahansa Yogananda, which you're familiar with. Absolutely. And she in somebody at work. She was working at the Children's Hospital in Hollywood at the time, and one of her coworkers had suggested trying meditation as a way to deal with stress and anxiety. And so my mom obviously like didn't understand why or how it worked, but she just brought the pamphlets home anyway, you know, also, you know, they come from a culture and in a sort of way that you just kind of white knuckle everything, right. You just put things, you push things really deep down inside and you just don't Mm. talk, talk about them and that's how you deal with it. And so, you know, she comes home with these pamphlets and I start to read them and i got really i was i was very compelled by the language in these pamphlets because it was talking about how we have the power to manifest everything we want in life to achieve happiness to build joy to find fulfillment to feel good and and i i looked on the back and there was a, a schedule and the the self realization fellowship was right down the street from my mom's work so oh it was right gosh. on vermont and sunset and one day I decided to just take the bus and I went down to the center and I checked it out and I got there. I went to one of the lectures. I sat in what was the first meditation practice that I'd ever done during this lecture. And I didn't even close my eyes because I'm like, you don't close <laughs> your eyes when you're in an environment that you don't know because right. anything could happen. You know, I'm like sitting in this beautiful temple calculating all the eggs, you know? <laughs> and yeah, it was the first time I ever felt my breath wow. and, and understood that I was in this vessel, in this body, and it was completely life-changing. That is, that was your moment. Yeah. And when you were saying this whole thing, I just kept getting chills because that same thing happened to me when my brother passed. Mm-hmm. But but Rosie, also in in what you were saying, how in this this is like one of the deepest, darkest moments that you could be in. You know, I, I 
I know exactly probably what you were going through in that anxiety, that depression. But what, what resonated with me was there was that voice that you kept on mentioning. Remember you said that yeah. there was, is this the purpose of life? Is this yes. all that there is? I'm sick of feeling like this. Mm-hmm. How incredibly grateful are both of us that that voice did not dissipate? Yeah. Because I mean, it does a lot of times. And how incredibly grateful that we'd listen to that voice. And that voice gave us the strength to get over to the other side. Yeah. And I think that's so important <clears throat> to note that because I feel like people have asked me the same question, you know, how do you, how do you know to trust that voice? How do you know that it's right? How do you cultivate more of an acute awareness to listening to that? I call it, you know, your high, highest self, yes. your, your wisdom voice, the, your, you can call it consciousness. You can call it just something that's, that's bigger than the, you know, the, the function of the mind. Correct. And I, I just find it so fascinating that we can innately recognize at a soul level that something isn't right, but we could also recognize when something is what it's supposed to be, you know, in Correct. that moment when something Correct. is right. So I think for me, that was it. That's that it only took that one time for it to hook me in. And, and after that, I went and I consumed <laughs> books. <laughs> you know, websites, as many things as I could to learn about yoga, to learn about meditation, to just learn everything that I could. And I remember even having a couple of Ayurveda books and and just obviously not understanding anything. I'm like, I just don't understand any of this. This doesn't make any sense to me, but I know that there's some magic in here. Absolutely. You know, that I can, I can totally tap into. A couple of years later, I straightened out, you know, that was, that was super helpful for me to be able to get into a place in my life where I just wanted to live my life. You know, you come to these moments in your life where you can make a choice to be better and do better or to just, in a sense, lay down and do nothing and be completely complacent, which I grew up with. I grew up with complacency. I grew up seeing people let their talents waste away and do absolutely nothing with their lives. And I refused to do that. And we love you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Because people such as yourself that give hope to others, you know, somebody asked me a similar question to what they asked you is like, when you were in the deepest, darkest moments of your life, when your brother had passed away and you know, you didn't feel like moving on and, and doing anything, what made you? And I simply say, because I was sick and tired of feeling like that. Mm. I was sick and tired of it. I looked at other, per, other sides and see, it's, I think there's a good, nice balance between the rational mind and then the mm. universal mind. Mm. The universal mind opens you up to accept this understanding and knowledge and be like, look, come on, come on, let's get to it. You can, you can move through this. And then the rational mind took over and kind of said, okay, look, you're not the only one this has happened to, right? It's, right. it's happened to other people and they've moved on. But when those merged for me, when I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired and also knowing that other people have done it, then the rational mind and the universal mind combine and that's when the shift happened. I think, you know, I'm curious for you getting to that place where you were just in a sense like you were done. You're like, I cannot, I can no longer feel this. How long did that take for you to get to that place after your brother a, passed away? A few months. 
yeah a few months and then after that i was just because i mean to me i i knew life wasn't like this mm-hmm. i knew i had gotten i'd gotten just you know my my butt kicked yeah emotionally and it's you know it's a beautiful steve jobs quote that that he says you can't connect the dots looking forward you can only do it looking backwards mm-hmm. and when i had my dad on the podcast he pointed this out to me i was like oh my god you're right he pointed out and he goes he goes look at the end of the day what happened to you know my son and your brother was obviously horrible but he goes just look at what what you've been able to to do and on the path that you're on because of that yeah you know and and i do resonate that when you look back and connect the dots that way it's true i rosie i i didn't i didn't even know what my emotions were mm-hmm. i didn't know that you are not your emotions you are not your body like you're mentioning you are not this mind you are this vessel that you're using through the body and that knowledge can come through study it can come through experience or it can come through events like this yeah you know it's fascinating that you're saying this you knew that that this wasn't it or that there was something else like the same thing that i said but how i'm so curious what you think about that like do you know do you think that most people have that sense? I think, I believe in my experience, I do believe they do. I believe in what Ayurveda also preaches is the body's always headed towards a homeostasis, homeostasis mm-hmm. state. But it's how much we drown out that voice or listen to that voice. I think many of us, and that voice comes in the form of intuition or higher soul. Mm-hmm. I bet you, Rosie, there were so many instances before your aha moment or my aha moment that there were signs that we ignored. Yeah. I bet you anything, if we go back and if somebody was recording us or we could live, live that, <laughs> you know, like somehow, I don't want to ever live it again, but you know what I'm talking about? It's like, <laughs> totally. Me. Yeah. Like, I bet you there was just signs. And to answer your question, I do believe it's for everybody, but it's how much of that intuition do you listen to? You know, yeah. this is this is kind of a tangent, but it's interesting. When the tsunamis happened in Japan and other places, you know how many animals died from the tsunami? Zero. Oh. They were already going to safety before the tsunami happened. Now tell me how that's possible. Through intuition. There is a signal, a universal signal, that we also have the ability to hear and see and feel but we just don't tune in as much. Wow. And this is fact. I mean, no animals died. I think maybe if, if they were domestic, they have a chance. But even then, they, there was, you know, it's, it's, so it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally believe in that, you know. I'm, and I, I was always an extremely in tune, intuitive kid. I mean, I remember walking to video 21 to rent a video. (laughs) This is for those of you listening that don't know what a video cassette is. It's like before you could not stream movies. Correct. You had to go to a video store to rent a video tape. Yes. Um, I so mourn for the people that will never get that experience. (laughs) I really do. I so... It was fun. It was an experience, right? It was Different shelves that had the videos. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like looking around and, you know, this was the whole art of making a good cover because that was really the only 
the only reference you had to whether this movie was going to be good. And I remember my dad, like, and my dad rented English movies, you know, and he only spoke Spanish. And so he would pick a movie up and be like, oh, this one looks really good. This looks good. And I'm just like, okay, dad, it's just like this buff guy with like holding like a machine gun or something. It's just Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. So anyway, but I remember, and we would go every night, every night. That was like our our tradition. We would walk and it was a nice way to just like go walk and be with my parents. Sometimes both my parents would come. Most of the time it was just my dad. But I remember being, you know, about five or six years old walking to him, walking with him to the video store and then just being in there. And all of a sudden there was these two guys that walked in and everything in my body, just all the hairs in my body stood up. My wow. heart started beating fast. I just felt this Jeez. energy and I ran to my dad and I grabbed his hand and I was like, I want to go. Like, I want to leave now. Wow. And he just like looked at me and sure enough, like they pulled a gun out and they, they stood the place up and, and they, you know, grabbed the money and then they just they just left. And I'm like, who robs a video store? Anyway, (laughs) but it was like, and that happened several times. And after that, I was traumatized, you know, from going to, because then I didn't want to, those little things started to happen where I started to feel that, but I, I still continued to tune into that intuition, that feeling, because most of the time it was right. I was right. It would happen any, anytime I was out in public and I would feel that like surge of anxiety and I'd look around and I'd see like, okay, this, this feels like it happened at a movie theater. One time I was at a movie theater with my uncle and we were watching a movie and these, again, these two guys just walked in and like they sat down in the front and I just felt really anxious. And Mm. there was a a big gang fight in the movie oh theater gosh. while the movie was playing. You know, a couple of people got stabbed. Like it was, a, it was a thing, you know? And I just remember feeling like I, I just, you could just feel, you could sense when the energy is off and the energy is not good. Just how you can feel with when the energy, I have to take a deep breath. <laughs> I'm like, because, you know, you think about these things and it's just, it re, Re, it brings up the the physicality of it, and for me, that's why yoga, absolutely why Ayurveda, that's why all these practices are so important because there's nothing else that can create the deep sense of grounding and security. Because if you really tune into your breath and you ground, and right now, like my hands are on my desk, and I'm just like breathing because I'm like, okay, I'm safe, I'm breathing, my body, my lungs, everything is absolutely okay, and you know, learning these practices and learning about the modalities to get you into a state of complete and utter awareness. And you think about like, for me, that's why it was so important to become a teacher because I think of all the people that like I grew up with or the, the neighborhoods I was raised in, all of these people have the same ability to move past trauma, to be able Correct. to move into a state of feeling empowered. And, you know, Ayurveda is so similar to, I'm like, I, I think about just Ayurveda and I think about, you know, the Indian food and how similar it is to Hispanic food, yep. you know. And the cultures. And, and the, the cultures culture. are very similar, very devout, very dedicated, very family oriented. And so it was such an akin practice 
you know, even the mala beads, the rosary beads, you know, everything was very, very similar. And so for me, it felt, it just felt like home, like something that I really wanted to, that made me feel safe, that made me feel good, but also was something that I think culturally, socioeconomically, environmentally, I wanted to teach to, you know, placements where people just don't take the time because they don't have the time because they're working like five jobs in order to be able to put food on the table. But all of these things are accessible to everybody. Correct. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes these teachings so amazing is that they are accessible. There's just a little bit of a learning curve that once it's taught by the right person, I think, and somebody that comes with a story such as you, you know, I think it really does resonate with people. So you, you know, you had that pamphlet be brought home that had mm-hmm. yoga that, that introduced you to meditation. And is that where radically loved kind of was born? And, and how did you come up with kind of the, fa- the, the, the phrase and the motto? I, oh, I love it, by the way. I yeah. love radically loved. Radically loved came like probably <clears throat> 10 years after that. Wow. It, it, it took a while for it to evolve to that because in, in my early 20s, I started a food blog. It was called Organic Mexican Girl. And I was like writing about, <laughs> I was basically the premise of the, the website, which actually it took off pretty quickly. I started to write articles for, you know, Mind Body Green and like I was writing the health column for Fox News Latino. Like it just it awesome. really, it really took off. And it was me basically taking my grandmother's recipes and turning them into vegan recipes. Like I was turning everything vegan, right? So that was like the premise of, and just talking about organic food and eating healthy and, you know, all those things. And so after I did that for a couple of years, I was I'm kind of one of these persons that like, I don't get bored, but like I am constantly growing and learning and and I'm a creative. I love to do new things. I love to start new projects. Like I'm starting a new podcast right now. Like the whole, yeah, the whole thing is just, so I think it was one of those moments where I just wanted to do something. I wanted to make it more yoga focused because I started teaching yoga a lot more and I wanted to just create a platform for all of the things that I loved that helped me under one umbrella. And I I really thought about this. And in fact, the name came up because one of my students, she was having a hard time. I was living in Portland at the time. And she was having a hard time and she ended up leaving my class early. And I, I didn't really know what was wrong. But then the next day, she wrote me this beautiful card and told me how she had just, she was kind of going through a really tough time in her life. And she, she just couldn't, she just needed some, some space and she couldn't finish the class. And she just felt really activated by, you know, just being in an environment with other people. And she, she left, but this beautiful card said, you are radically loved. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. And I'm like, that is so that to me encompasses everything about everything for me. In that moment, I was like, that's true. We are radically loved. We are radically supported. And each and every one of us are radically loved. And in fact, the feeling and the ethos of radically loved is coming from this place of that's that thing that I talked about in the beginning of of our conversation was that knowing the knowing that there was something else, that there was something bigger that I knew 
I was designed and meant for something else. That this wasn't my dharma. This wasn't my purpose. But it was that feeling of radical love. I'm like, I knew that I would be supported. I just knew, you know, there was just, even though my mind, because the mind likes to question everything, right? Absolutely. Like, your, mind <laughs> wants to, your mind wants to be anywhere but in the present moment. Your Correct. mind wants what's better. And so in that moment, I was just, you know, back then, I, I just felt this sense of support. You know, call it God, call it higher power, whatever it is, however people understand it. And so that's what, and then I just went on godaddy.com and I was like, radically loved domain and it was available. <laughs> and then I just, and then I just ran with it. And then I, I started to turn everything, all my organic Mexican girl stuff, like started to kind of transfer over and you know, I, I just started to focus more on that. I, I built a yoga teacher training program around it. I, you know, built my entire business around it. I created a podcast about yes. it. Like that was, that was what started this whole thing. And that was back in 20, 2013. So it's been eight, seven years at yeah. this point. Yeah. yeah. Seven years, seven year cycle. I'm ready for something new. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Doesn't Deepak Chopra say that every seven years we the body kind of sheds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. does a new thing. Yeah. So there you that's go. It's 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 your shedding time, right? Yes. <laughs> so that, that that's incredible. That like just imagine where you started from to what you're doing now, and all the people that that you get to help and. Mm. Near the end, I, I would love you f to, to share kind of how people can learn about the retreats you go on and learn more about you. But what I'd like to get into now is what, what's, what's a day in the life like of Rosie? Like what do you have some, I call them non-negotiables. Yes. Some daily non-negotiables. And if you could go through kind of like what, I know there's no typical day for an entrepreneur. It's not for me either. But, you know, what are some, what, what does your average day-to-day -day look like? And what are your non-negotiables? Oh, wow. Okay. Those are two different things, I think. Yes. Because I travel so much, so things change quite a bit. Absolutely. But my non-negotiables, non I, I, I do, I wake up in the morning and I set the tone. The minute that I open my eyes, I, I start to just practice gratitude as much as I can to just be grateful that my eyes open, that I'm alive, that I'm in this body, that I'm in this experience. And then I get up. So I, I, I wait until sometimes I wake up and I'm really tired or I have to do something right away. And I'm just like, oh, you know, that feeling yep, that like, yep. oh, God, yep. okay. So if I wake up like that, because that still, you know, happens often. Of course, of course. I wait until I change that energy and then I get up, then I get out of bed, you know. So once I, I get up, I, you know, do the things, wash my face, I scrape my tongue and I get up and I make some some warm water with lemon. Yes. And then I sit and I do I do a, you know like a 10 15 minute movement. I wash my face, I do some tongue scraping, nice. I do a little physical asana practice, maybe 15 to 20 minutes tops and then I'll sit for for 30 to 45 minutes. I'll do my meditation practice. That has to happen any, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. It, I have to start my morning that way, or I don't actually know what it's like to not because I've, I've done it for so long that I, I don't know that I would be able to function if I, if I didn't. That's amazing. Yeah, those are the non-negotiables. Then I, I make a matcha, 
and I that's my ritual time. I don't check any electronics. I don't do any interacting with devices until after I do my practice. I have my matcha or some tea in the morning, and then I may or may not go for a run or do something active, and then and then I will engage with the rest of the world once I do that. I love that. I need to get better about the devices thing in the morning. I do, you know, do the meditation in the morning, but that's on my device. So what I try to do is I try to like turn off, you know, any notification so that doesn't get in the yeah. way. But I, but I, but I love that. On, yeah. Or you put it on airplane mode. Yeah. Do not that's, disturb. I mean, I have right. my phone, you know, it's yeah. like I have it with me just looking at the time and stuff, but it's Correct. typically on airplane mode. Actually, I've gone through an entire morning, like till until about noon without even forgetting that my phone's on airplane mode, you know, because absolutely. I'm like, oh, right. I have to read, I have to turn my, my phone back on, but absolutely. absolutely. But that to me, and because I travel so much, you know, the rest of my routine is it, it, it can be random, you know, just depending on what I'm doing or if I'm doing something in the morning or if I'm seeing a client or if I'm teaching a class, like it just really is, which I like. I, I mean, I love to have a routine, but I also like. Yeah. The, the spontaneity, right? So. Yeah. 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 What are the top three things you would like to share with everyone on how to keep a balanced lifestyle, even when things are feeling overwhelmed? Well, the first one is definitely having a meditation practice. Like that to me is, is something that everybody could do. Yep. It doesn't cost anything. Yep. Three to five minutes a day, even if you can manage that, it makes such a huge difference energetically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. So that would be the first one. The second thing is nourishing your body well. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Uveda supplements. <laughs> I, that's, Thank I you. mean, it, it really is, you know, to me, I, I'm just so used to having it now that if I don't, my little packets, my little mood packets, it just, it has everything I need for me to be able to function throughout the day. Even if I don't take like, you know, my other, my B12 or whatever, you know, my MSM for my like movement joints, Correct. like, you know, I just, I have to be able to take something at least to just help enhance everything else. And it just reminds me to continue to nourish my body. Well, it, it makes me more mindful about the type of food that I'm eating, how I'm eating my food. And that is, is such a huge thing. I mean, how it, think about it. Like the first one, meditation, you're nourishing your mind. And the second one, what you put in your body like those are two things that everybody has control over. You know, we, we have the ability to be able to change that. You are the person whose hand lifts up to put whatever is going to go into the temple of your body. You are responsible for that. And so people like to diminish their own power when they go into these phases of uh, not caring or not taking care of themselves. And some of it's emotional, mental. Sometimes it's actual people have like a, a physical ailment of some sort. But we have to remember, we have to reclaim that power because I feel like we have such a tenuous relationship with our body at best. Absolutely. And so I feel that really taking the power back, you know, take the power back, <laughs> I think it's, it's so key. And I think that the third, you know, the third thing would just be to be able to spend time in nature, to yes. just go outside and get some fresh air. That is also you, free. Right? It's free. All three things yes. you can do. And those of you <laughs> listening to this podcast, you can do all three things. And I, I promise you, that's all I had. Like yeah. I didn't have, you know, 
$3,000 to go take a yoga teacher training. Like I didn't, I didn't come from a a family that had money. Everything that I built in my life, I had to do from the ground up. I had to build, I had to work for, I had to save, I had to be patient. I had to practice. I had to be disciplined. And it was so hard. It's hard when you don't have people in your life encouraging you to do that. And so I know that I was able to do it without having anybody hold me accountable. So if I can do it, and I'll tell you, it's so much easier to not do these things. Absolutely. It's so much easier. Oh gosh. Right? Yep. Or it's so yep. much easier to just talk about it. Like Absolutely. Say, oh, I'm going to start to do this. I'm going to do that. Or yeah, I'm going to start taking my supplements every day or I'm yep. going to, Oh, I'm going to start meditating or oh, I just, you know, or I'll start, you know, going more, going outdoors more or walking around my block or whatever. But that doesn't do anything. You have to just don't give yourself the option to not do it. Just get up, listen, take, take us with you, put us in your little earbuds yep. and go outside and go for a five minute, just walk out and then walk back. Like, just connect to your body, to your vessel, your temple. This is the, you got this gift. This is yours in this lifetime. You get this. Correct. What are you going to do with it? Correct. And right? it's so beautifully said when you said actually do it. It's, it's so interesting now that how there's so many incredible seminars, right? Rosie, just incredible oh, so seminars. But the other day I heard something incredible too. It's like, a lot of these people are becoming, and no judgment, just reporting, are becoming seminar junkies. They're going just to go to another seminar, yeah. another seminar. And the question that was asked is, how many seminars does it take you before you can start making the right change? And people were like, well, I don't know. They're, and, and the person said, I don't even want you to think about that. It just takes the one. And even in that seminar, it could be the first opening sentence to make that change. But what you have to do is then you have to implement. And that's what I talk about on the podcast too. I'm like, you could take all this stuff that I'm sharing with you and listen to it. And that's beautiful. I love that. But when you're actually going to see the difference and the changes when you do, imagine, yeah. if, imagine if those pamphlets had been brought home by your mom and they were just sitting on the kitchen. Yeah. You did nothing. Yeah. Right? You did nothing. Or the note, the radically love that was written. You didn't think about that and feel grateful and be like, you know, if I can inspire this one person, imagine what I can do. It's these moments that you take action on that deliver the manifestation of what you're already. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree 100%. And I feel like to me at that moment, I was just so desperate. I was just yep. so desperate. Like I just, I was willing to do anything. And I just, I just knew I didn't want to feel the way I felt. Correct. And I needed something else. I needed help. Yep. Right. Yep. And so, I kept asking the divine God source and there were moments where I'm like, I don't even believe in God. Like if there mm-hmm. was a God, all yeah. this bad stuff wouldn't happen in the world. Like people wouldn't be suffering. Like there wouldn't be injustice. And I was just having what, that moment at that age. And, and you have to remember too, like this was under the guise of being under like a lot of medication and not the right guidance. I wasn't seeing a therapist. Like I think medication, when people are seeing a doctor, like that is helpful. You know, people can actually, you know, go through these motions under the supervision of somebody that's like helping you through this process, but not just like, here, have some medication, you're done. And it's like, so I, I think that's so important to give people the power to take control over their own lives. 
and that's what you have been doing since your path and continue to do and just so love what you what you put on and everything that you you know you share with the world i'm sure you have a amazing 2020 plan but oh. how can the audience learn more about the the knowledge that you share and the experiences how can they learn more about rosie and what rosie does oh yay well <laughs> everybody is welcome to learn more you can go to my website radicallyloved.com you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Both are at Rosie Acosta. And I do two to three international retreats a year. Beautiful. And I do one 200-hour yoga teacher training a year. And those are, you know, for the, the people that want to study with me, that want to go into an immersion practice, like the way that I structure everything, all my programs are all the same it's implicit that you actually do them and not just watch mm -hmm. the videos or do the set you seminar junkies out there. <laughs> but it's, I, I really provide a very thorough template for people to, to make it easy for them to do the work. But I never, I will never be the person that's like, just watch this video and your life will change. It's like, you have to do the work. Like Absolutely. I did the work. Absolutely. So I know. And, and I also know what it's like to, struggle and to be in a place where you you don't necessarily want to do the hard thing and and it's a lot it sucks you don't always feel good about doing it you know there there have been moments in my life where i'm like i really you know i'll take a break from going to the gym or to rebelling against i call it the rebellion phase where i rebel against my body and i know that that sounds shitty but because i'll i'll go into this phase of like just eating a bunch of junk food and I'm a, I'm a vegan junk food junkie. Like I'm like, Oh, it's vegan. It's okay. I can have as many vegan ice creams as I want. Like Correct. I want all the vegan treats and give me my vegan chips and all the things and just like get into this phase where it's, I get tamasic. I get very lethargic and my, every, my system, everything's thrown off and it's hard because when you're in, obviously this is the basis of Ayurveda is when you're out of balance, you're going to crave more of the imbalance. Correct. Right. So it's hard to get out of that once you're in that cycle. You know, I'm like a, I'm a sugar addict. I'm a self-proclaimed sugar addict and <laughs> I know I am addicted. The minute that I have sugar in my system, it becomes really difficult for me to say, Okay, no, I'm yeah. done. It's like, oh, a little bit here, a little bit there. If I don't have it for a long period of time, which I like to give myself a break, like a couple of weeks, like two or three weeks of no sugar, and then I might, you know, integrate it here and there. And it's easier for me to not have it every day. But right. if I'm having it every day, you will not, I will not, I won't stop. Like, I cannot <laughs> stop. It, it's like crazy. I'm, it's like, I can't. You know, it's 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 been called the most overused drug, quote unquote, non-drug. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. it, it is. It's in everything, Rosie. You can't it's escape. In it's in ketchup. Yeah. I know. know. So it's it's that's what's crazy about it. But we'll also put all those links in the show notes and 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 everything. And we're near the end, and oh. I want to do a little rapid round with you. So how this works is, first thing that I say. I'll ask a question and you just, you can only answer it with one word or just a phrase and we want to make it real spontaneous. Okay. And it's just, right. it's just fun. So let's begin. 
favorite quote? Oh, that's all. You can't do that. Yes, I, I, yes, I can. You, you come on. Okay, fine. You can, you can pick between your favorite, one or three. Okay, yeah. favorite quote is, if you want it done right, do it yourself. <laughs> that's literally the first thing that game that Are came you, out. Okay, well, we're going to go with that then. All right, that's That's fine. what we're going to go with. Like, um, I, I, I like that. I like that. Okay. Favorite movie of all time for you? Star Wars. Nice. I love that. Favorite childhood memory? Going to the public library when I was like, I don't remember, I was four, three or four. Nice. That's beautiful. Favorite spot to take a vacation? Bali. Oh, Bali is beautiful. What is the one thing that you've done in your life that every time you think about it just warms your heart like incredibly? I love animals so much and mm-hmm. I all my animals have been rescues. and Beautiful. Anytime I see people rescuing animals or there's a shelter like that, that just, it gives me so much life. Like I just, I love that. There are so many, they're just such helpless little beings and there's so many, so many abused animals in the world, all over the world. And, and to me, just seeing people rescue a helpless animal, it just, it makes me so, like it makes me tear up. Like Mm. it makes, it gives me so much happiness and joy. That's incredible. Well, Rosie, we could probably continue for hours. This is what happens with you every time. We just have such amazing conversations. But I just want to say thank you so much, dear, for giving us your time, your wisdom, your experience, your story. We're going to share all the links about where people can learn more about you and and the retreats that you put on and also social in, in the show notes. But I just want to say I'm incredibly blessed and grateful to begin the new year speaking to you about all this and for our friendship. What's interesting, guys, is I will have to go on the air and say that me and Rosie have not met yet in person. We've been close. So, Rosie, 2020, we got to manifest that. We have to. Yes, Yes, we have to do that. Ideally, with our family. I think I do possibly have a California trip coming up in February. Oh, great. I'll let you know. Please do. I'll let you know. And I just want to say, guys, how much of a gift it is to have people like Rosie and her approach is if I can say it's she, it doesn't matter to her who you are, what background you have, what economic, you know, what background you come from. She's there to help you. And that is the non judgment that she comes into her work is that's the true calling. You can just see it. The path that she took, the, the rough, upbringing that she was a part of that brought her to this moment and for that i just want to say you rock rosie the radically loved movement is there for a reason and thank you for what you do oh thank you so you are the best you really you your family like shrutika every everybody <laughs> in the uveda team like all of all of you guys are just so amazing i'm i'm so honored and and blessed to be working with you guys like just and to know you and to just be a part of the family like it really it just it makes me so happy I feel so supported and I hope that we continue to create really amazing things here's the beginning to the new decade yes let's get going thank you so much and thank you everybody for for joining us and we hope we bring you value and, and experience so thank you once again for tuning into the balanced being podcast We hope this episode helped make your life simple. 
Join us next week on the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi.